My name is Dion Timken. I am uh, the church planting resident here at True Life, and um, I get the pleasure of um, coming with you today and, and uh, just kind of walking through Scripture. And we're, we get to start off a really, really cool series in the Psalms. It's called um, Songs for the Road, and it's a ve- that's, a, that's just such a, a good, accurate title because this book of Psalms is a book of, of prayers, of praises, of songs, of worship and praise to God, of, of crying out to lament to Him, um, and one thing that I've heard said before, and I, I, I spent like an hour trying to find who said it, and I couldn't find it. So today I say it, but if you find out who says it, it's not me. I'm taking credit today, but it's really not me. Um, it said, he said that when I read the Psalms, I find that more so they read me. Um, and the more I dive into the Psalms, the more I really do see that. that um, when, I, when I really read them, the words jump off the page and really read my heart from me. Um, and I think, it's, I think that that is true because the book is a really unique book in that it's the only book in the Bible that's like the, the Psalms are written to God. Um, everything else is about God or about, or about humans or about, or about Jesus, what he's done, about the church. But in the book of Psalms, the, the writers are writing to God. So it's from a human standpoint, the human experience, um, applying God's truth to their life directly on the page, whether it's through crying out to him in lament or crying out praises to him um, in worship to him, or um, celebrating something cool that he's done. It's written to God, um, and it's kind of cool. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you probably have your favorite songs that, um, like, it, you know, you listen to it, and it's just like, man, that song just gets me, and that's like what happens when, when I read the Psalms, at least, and I think that when you guys really dive into it, you get to see that too. You know, just think of those, those songs that you play on repeat that, like, it just connects to your heart. I'm feeling some, like, like Barry Manilow vibe over here, August Burns Red back there, I can see it. Uh, I can feel a little Snoop Dogg vibe too somewhere. We might need to get away from that one. But you, you guys know that it's just songs that just like really connect to our heart. Like it just gets me. And that's why um, we're going through the Psalms is, is uh, these songs just, just get you because they're so unique and written from the human experience. And, and I think it's just going to be a really cool, fun series to walk through. Uh, and so I'm grateful to be able to um, do that with you guys these next couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> the psalm that we're going to jump into today is Psalm uh, 8. Um, it's a psalm written by David, and something pretty unique to this psalm is that um, it's a worship psalm. A lot of people love this psalm. Like I was talking to a guy, another ministry buddy, this last week about it, and he said, man, what, I mean, what an easy psalm to preach in, in, in Denver. Um, and, and we'll get to the psalm and you'll see why. Um, but it's just, it's, it's David crying out his heart in praise to God, um, like God, you were just saying, God, you are so cool. It's a worshipful psalm. It's going to lead us in worship today. Um, but something very unique about it is that it's sandwiched right in the middle of ten lament psalms. Um, if you if you read the the five before chapter eight and the five after chapter eight, David's crying out to God or, or another author um, of the psalms. There are some unknown authors in the psalms, but they're crying out to God in in asking for his his deliverance, his um, his to provide his peace, to provide protection, um, and. For some reason, this book, book was placed and written right in the middle of crying out to God. And so I think that that gives us clue into uh, like what kind of problem this addresses in our life. Um, I often find myself, because of my personality type, but I think that this is just the human experience, um, often find myself finding things that I really want to pursue, um, even godly things. God will put a passion in my heart. Um, God will put um, something really, give me something really exciting. He'll put somebody in my life, um, and, that, and then I'll, he'll put that in my life, and then I'll go focus on that. He'll, 
He'll give it to me, and I'll be like, okay, God, I'm going to go do that. And then I totally forget that God is there. Um, and so this psalm um, really hits on the point that of, of how important it is that we go back to God and worship, whether we're in our highs or in our lows. Um, so let me um, pray for you, um, but first we're going to take a moment of silence um, just so that we can um, center our hearts and, and, and posture ourselves to receive from God what he has in his word for us today. Um, so yeah, um, just take a moment of silence. <laughs> I'm sorry, not just silence, pray. <laughs> no, just be quiet, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord God, we do come before you today. Um, who stand in awe of you. God, you are amazing and awesome and beautiful and magnificent and majestic and all of those amazing things, God. And we want to see your glory today. Um, so God, as we um, approach your word um, through David in Psalm 8, I pray that we do be formed um, to be more like you. I pray that we do um, turn our hearts more toward you, um, and I pray that you um, become our center desire and our center pursuit um, of life. So God, today I, play, I pray that our worship today is, is pleasing to you, and that um, as we meditate on the word together, that we um, grow closer to you. Um, we love you, and uh, we just lift all these things up in Jesus' holy name. Amen. <clears throat> so we're actually going to do something kind of unique today. Um, I'm going to ask that you guys read out loud this psalm with me because um, these songs were reg regularly um, prayed together, sung together, chanted together um, in ancient Israel. So I just want to do something really unique that I think could be really cool um, as a body of Christ, even though we're not all here today. Um, just uh, read this out loud with me, Psalm chapter 8. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor." You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the current of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Super, super, super beautiful uh, passage of scripture. Um, thank you for doing that with me. Um, uh, I think that God really um, loves when his people join together to um, worship him and, 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 and read his word together. So um, that was just uh, super cool to me. But um, yes, this passage is super beautiful and um, very obviously just sets, us, sets the tone in the very first and in the last verse that we are worshiping God. Um, so we're just going to walk through it together um, and, and pick this apart in kind of how we would if we were to meditate on scripture um, in like a, a personal setting. We're going to do that together. 
Um, so go find a corner and pray. And I'm just kidding. We're gonna, I'm going to preach. <laughs> um, but verse 1 starts off, Lord, our Lord. Um, and if you're reading in your Bibles, the first Lord is actually probably all caps. Um, and if it's not, it's supposed to be. And that's on purpose. Um, these two lords are actually two different words um, in the original language. And the first Lord um, is translated from the word Yahweh, um, which is the same word from Exodus chapter 3 when Moses encounters God um, in the form of the burning bush. God um, comes to Moses and he's telling him how he's going to deliver Israel through him and um, do a bunch of good things um, through Moses. And then Moses asks God, okay, so who am I supposed to say sent me? Like, I, I can't tell them that a burning bush was talking to me. So who sent me? And he says, I am who I am. And that's this Yahweh word. The I am who I am is the eternal, uh, the eternal God, the, the God that it was and is and is, is to come, the God that is eternal reality, ultimate reality God. The, the I am has sent you. Um, and so um, and the God, this this. This word is, is used in the context of being a deliverer because when he was talking um, to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, um, that's what he, his, his action was. Um, the lowercase Lord is Adonai, which is just another name for God. It, it, it um, signifies his kingship and his sovereignty in our lives, and it's Lord, our Lord. So right off the bat, in a context of being sandwiched right in the middle of suffering, um, David is, is worshiping God as his personal God, as our personal God. It's not Lord, the Lord, God, the God. It's Lord, our Lord, and more personally, Lord, my Lord. Um, and I think that that in and of itself should encourage us today when we're going through the muck and the mire, when the things are falling down, um, things seem like they're crashing down all on all sides of us. This should be an encouragement to us that the God, the Yahweh of ultimate reality, the one who was and is and is to come, the deliverer of, of, of the kingdom of Israel, the God who made the heavens and the earth is your God. Like he belongs to us. We belong to him. And he, that's just big. I, I just think that's huge that we should, we should rest on that, that God, the one who is eternal, the one, the ultimate deliverer, the ultimate God, the, the, like God, think of how big God is, is ours. How cool is that? And then it says, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with, with, with your majesty. And my buddy was right. This psalm is so easy to connect with here in Colorado because if you step outside and look west, we have one of the most beautiful displays of God's magnificence. Is that a word? Magnificence, is that a word? In the ESV, it says majestic. But God's majesticness is just so evident in the state that we live in. But I mean, I'm sure you can think of some other things that reveal God's majesty, his magnificence, um, but I just threw a few pictures up there. My brother sent me this picture, actually. This is uh, from what are called, I think, the Ape Caves in Washington State. Um, super beautiful formation that God obviously did. We put our own little poles in there to stay safe. Um, this is a desert. I don't know what desert it is, but God did that, too. God did that. Mount Everest, like the biggest thing that, that exists, like on the earth, like God made that with his finger, pinched it up. And even just something as simple as this, is grass, some trees, and water. I don't know where this is either, but it's beautiful, and it reveals God's majesty. I'm sure you could think of your own examples. This morning, I was thanking God for his majesty in my donut and coffee. Like, I was like, God, your creation is good, and your magnificence is, is, is being shown through the awesome things that you have provided and made. Like, God's magnificence 
like is like if we stop to see it, it's so easy to see in, in the huge things and like when we look west and look at the Rockies or in the little things like the donut that, that my future mother-in-law provided for me this morning. Like it's just it's it's everywhere. I just think that's so cool. The the ultimate reality God, the God who was and is and is to come, his magnificence is revealed through so many things, and I, I just love that we can enjoy him and stuff like that. Um, so it, uh, then it says, you have uh, covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. So out of the mouths of babies and infants, God's strength is evident. There's a stark contrast here between God's bigness, you have covered the heavens with your glory and majesty, and then the smallness, the helplessness of babies, like that literally can't live without the support of another human being. God's power is made known. God stoops to the level of a baby that can't even talk to make his power known. And it's not through even action. Like, I was hanging out with some friends two weeks ago. I was picking up a cooler from them. And they're sitting on the front porch, and uh, she was holding a baby, and the baby was, was slapping her and pulling her hair and shoving her finger up her nose and in her eyes. And I'm like, okay, God could accomplish something pretty crazy through that. They can wreak havoc because you're not going to do anything to a baby. But it's not even through the baby's actions. It's not even through the babies wreaking havoc of flaying their arms around and, and pulling hair or anything. It's through the mouths of babies that can't even talk. God establishes a stronghold against his enemies. Now, this is a, like just a huge um, theme of the Bible. God is constantly using the uh, unimaginable people, the unqualified people, the people that aren't strong enough to, to, to do what they end up carrying out. But it's also a prophecy. Um, if, we, if we turn to Matthew 21, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to bring it up, but I'll just tell you the story. Jesus is riding into the temple with, on a donkey, first off, not even like a pretty horse, on a donkey. And the, and, and the people that, that, that follow him and, and see him for who he is are chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And these people are the poor people, the people that um, the religious people look down upon, and even babies are chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, um, to the Son of the living God. And Jesus quotes this psalm. He says, through the, through the mouths of infants and babies, you've established a stronghold account of your enemies and avengers. So Jesus is, is riding into the temple on an ugly animal, and the, the babies are chanting this word and silencing the scribes and, and, the, and the teachers of the law that, that think Jesus is a heretic and silencing them and making his glory known. Um, and that's just a beautiful picture. Um, so then it moves on to chapter th- or verse 3, When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? When I was uh, preparing this sermon, uh, some of you might have seen it on my social media, I was you know, just reflecting and I wrote, space, whoa, God did that. Like how cool. Like that we, we just sung about it, the hundred billion galaxies he made with his hands. Um, just some cool facts about space. Um, well, there are more stars in the sky than there are um, grains of sand on the earth. Like, think of how big that, that means. Like, like, how many beaches exist and how many just random, like, we just looked at a desert, how many grains of sand exist there, and more sand than that exists in the universe. 
Um, another uh, awesome fact is that one million of our planet, of Earth, could fit inside our sun, and the sun is only an average-sized star of the universe. Like, so, <laughs> just trying to put into perspective how big this thing, this, this space is. When I was in high school, I used to, I would go out in my front yard and lay in the yard, and my dad probably thought I was really weird. Oh, there goes Dion being all introspective. Um, but I'd lay down, and, and we lived in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, um, which had its perks, and one of the perks was no light pollution. And I would lay down in my front yard and just look at the sky and be like, man, we are small. Man, holy cow. Just ima- like, you, I'm sure every one of you has had an experience where you just look at the stars and be like, oh my gosh, that's actually crazy. It exists above me every night, but holy cow. Like, God did that. He did that with his finger. In the ESV, it actually specifies that. He said that he made the, the stars with his finger. And in Isaiah 40, it says that he, uh, he says, He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. So God has a name for all of these. Just as, as we all have names, he knows each star. He knows all of them. So, Steve. <laughs> Mary. Like, like, God actually knows these stars' names. Like, like, and there's more of them than there are grains of sand on the earth. Just think, like, I'm just trying to put in, or David's trying to put in perspective how big our God is. And it's, it'd be so easy to read this, to read, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place. With, like, they know how big space is, and our understanding of how big space is is even bigger now. Like, how insignificant am I? In the big picture of space, in the big picture of that God made those mountains, that God made donuts, like, like I can never come up with anything like that. How big, and in, how big is God and how insignificant am I? But the message of this is the exact opposite of that. God is magnificent. He is the eternal God. His name is shown throughout the earth through, through created things. He does amazing triumphs through the mouths of babies. He made space. And you think about me? Like you care about me, God? Me, the broken, messed up, selfish human being? I get to have space in your head? Oh, man. That's, I, mean, I mean, don't you feel small? And then think about it. We are huge. He goes on, you made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. He's made us a little less than him. If, you, if we stick to biology, and I'm not bashing science. I'm a, I, I love science. And science is, is a tool that we can use. Um, but I'm not bashing science. But if you stick to biology, we would find that we're just a little bit higher than the animals, than, than the animals that we um, pet and, and hunt and all that. We would, like, biology would tell us that. But God tells us that we are just a little less than him. Other translations say a little less than angels. But the point is, God has imprinted a divine design in us. We're not just flesh and blood. We're not just creatures, robots here to, to live and, and, and just do things on earth, make money, set up a retirement plan, have kids, like God cares about us and has a divine design and purpose for us. He crowned us with glory and honor. 
This psalm is about worship, so we can worship God and, and see him in all the big things. But David here is saying, like, you want to see God's glory on display? Look at the person right next to you. Look around this room. Like, people. That's like, it's like God, angels, people. <laughs> people he is crowned with glory and honor. God's glory on display lives around you. He lives with you. He's, they're on the streets while you're driving. They're with the people that you work with at the park when you're going to play in the recreational sports that you play. All those people, those beings are God's glory on display. This principle makes any social injustice detestable. That God's divine design of human beings, crowned with glory and honor, any kind of injustice, this makes it detestable. But here's the biggest thing that speaks to my heart. Yes, look next to you. That's God's glory on display. Some of you have probably come here feeling purposelessness, purposeless, the bad side of that. Um, stressed, anxious, not knowing where you belong in the world, look in the mirror. That's God's glory on display. God has crowned you personally with glory and honor. God, glorifying God, I, I, I'm seeing in this psalm as he's, he's, he's writing this in the middle of lamenting um, so much and crying out so much and being scared and in danger so much that glorifying God in the midst of struggle restores our purpose, restores our dignity, restores our joy. So what's the problem then? Like, why is this such a struggle? He stopped in the middle of lamenting and wrote this worship. To quote some, he says, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. How long, Lord, will my honor be insulted? Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? There, he's writing in the middle of, of, of hardship. Whoa. <laughs> that was my voice. Uh, the problems we face when trying to do this, when we're trying, you know, I, like I said in, the, in my intro, there's so many times where, where God has placed someone in my life and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do life with this person. Or God has given me a passion, okay, I'm going to pursue this passion. God has given me a job, okay, I'm going to do this job. What am I doing wrong? I'm leaving God out of it. God gives it to me and I take, him, I take it away from him. What this psalm is showing me is that we let things become bigger than God. We focus on our foes. We focus on our littleness. We focus on our problems. We focus on even godly things and make them bigger than God or more important than God. And we find ourselves in this. What is, what is a human being? What am I? In this purpose, purposelessness. So how do we do this? Where's the gospel in this? Christ paved the way for us to be able to live this way. For us to be able to pursue, he said, you made him ruler over the works of your hands, you put everything under his feet, and give us dominion to take care of everything, to be his glory image to the rest of the earth, to detest injustice because we are all crowned with glory and honor. How do we do this and still are able to say, Lord, our Lord, 
God, eternal God, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. And God perfectly, or Jesus perfectly um, illustrated this for us. In Hebrews chapter 2, um, the writer of Hebrews actually quotes this. He, he, says what, he, he quotes the part that says, What is man that you remember him, or son of man that you care for him? You made him lower, a little lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. Jesus came and died and lived a perfect life. He came in the form of a baby. God accomplished his triumphs through a baby through the, and sent King Herod, sent the king running like, like scared. King Herod had ordered that, that all babies born, all males born be put to death. Like through a baby, God scared the, the ruler of their world. He came and he lived a perfect life. And showing us how to do this, how to, to uh, establish like, perfect dominion, how to, how to be a real ruler over the works of God's hands. And then the real reason that we can do this is because of what he did. He lived a perfect life and then he died the death on a cross that we deserved. So we, we have the perfect example in Jesus, but we also have the possibility, the opportunity, the only reason we have the opportunity to do this is through Jesus Christ. So glorifying God, centering, keeping God at the center and pursuing him is the secret to life. We can't, I mean, we, God can give us godly pursuits and give us godly passions and put godly people in our lives and we can do those things, but if we make those the focus, then we're going to be lost. We're going to lose our purpose we're going to lose our center, our, our direction. And so, um, from, David's, from David's example given to us and just through um, this scripture, I want to encourage you that when you are feeling low, when you're feeling purposeless, when you're feeling insignificant, that is the best thing to do is to stop and worship. You might not be feeling it. You might not be feeling putting on some beautiful music or, or opening up the Bible and getting happy, but this is what we're supposed to do is stop and make him the center of our lives again. And so as we go into communion, I want to encourage you to reflect upon this and reflect upon where God has, or God has given you something or, or God has put something in your life and you've made that the focus and not him. The body and the blood represented by the bread and the juice is representative of Jesus dying on the cross so that we can do this, so that we can be rulers over the works of his hands, so that we can stop and say, Lord, our oh Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth, and be grateful for the things he's put in our life. Uh, Lord God, I just thank you so much for today and um, bringing my friends that you brought here and online and in person, um, and that we were able to approach your word and let it form us and shape us. I pray that it do exactly that and that you... Um, do become the center of our focus, the center of our lives, our only, our only source of worship, our only um, God. I do pray that we um, do not make things that you give us bigger than who you are, um, but I do pray that we can stop and say, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth, even in the midst of our suffering and despair. Amen.